0: You're listening to the Sermon Podcast from Meadowbrook Church in Cheyenne, Wyoming, with Pastor Keith Miller. If you don't have a Bible, there's actually Bibles in front of you, uh, and that passage can be found on page 459. So again, Psalm 25. To you, O Lord, I lift my soul. O my God, in you I trust. Let me not be put to shame. Let not my enemies exult over me. Indeed, none who wait for you shall be put to shame. They shall be ashamed who are wantonly treacherous. Make me to know your ways, O Lord. Teach me your paths. Lead me in your truth and teach me. For you are the God of my salvation. For you I wait all the day long. For they have been from old. Remember not the sins of my youth or my transgressions. According to your steadfast love, remember me for the sake of your goodness, O Lord. Good and upright is the Lord. Therefore, he instructs sinners in the way. He leads the humble in what is right and teaches the humble his way. All the paths of the Lord are steadfast love and faithfulness for those who keep his covenant and his testimonies for your name's sake o lord pardon my guilt for it is great who is the man who fears the lord him will he instruct in the way that he should choose his soul shall abide in well-being and his offspring shall inherit the land the friendship of the lord is for those who fear him and he makes known to them his covenant my eyes are ever toward the lord for he will pluck my feet out of the net. Turn to me and be gracious to me, for I am lonely and afflicted. The troubles of my heart are enlarged. Bring me out of my distresses. Consider my affliction and my trouble, and forgive all my sins. Consider how many are my foes, and with what violent hatred they hate me. O guard my soul and deliver me. Let me not be put to shame, for I take refuge in you. My integrity and uprightness preserve me, for I wait for you. Redeem over Israel, O God, out of all his troubles. You guys can go and have a seat.
1: All right, I have a lot to say. Um, So if you have a Bible, you'll want to camp. Uh, on Psalm 25. Uh, we I will show you the music video in a little bit. Here's a qualifier, parental qualifier, or a warning, or whatever. I spent four hours, not, not because I know what I'm doing. I didn't know what I was doing. I had to figure out how to blur out stuff. and um, I, It took me four hours to edit this video, about four hours. Uh, it's very obvious what's blurred out um, and what words are bleeped out. So... If you're not comfortable with your child watching the video, it's only five minutes long. I'll give you a warning when we're about to watch it. I, Seth, my 11-year-old, has seen it. Don't judge my parental parenting philosophy. Uh, after watching the video, I um, we watched it. We talked about it, and so um, so there's that. I will show that video in a, in a, in a few moments. So, Alicia, Elisa. Beth Moore is actually Pink's name, that's her birth name. She was born September 8, 1979, and grew up in Doylestown. Yeah, i got to talk slower, probably. Yeah, I was talking really fast, you're welcome. (laughs) Um, She was born in Doylestown, Pennsylvania, which is kind of in in my neck of the woods where I uh, spent a good chunk of my, my life. Her parents separated when she was nine years old, she lived with her mom, her mom was, a, she was a, a nurse and also went to school uh, in the evening. So both she, uh, Alicia, and her, her brother, I, I don't know his name, her older brother, they essentially raised themselves <laughs> while mom was trying to provide food, put food on the table and uh, at work and get an education at the same time. When she got to her teen years... Um she was very difficult. She was angry. she was uh, she and her mom had a very, a very rocky relationship throughout her teenage years. You'll see that in the music video. The music video is essentially a retelling of, of Pink's life, especially her career. And I'll refer to her as Pink um, from here on out. but when she was 14, she started performing in clubs in Philadelphia, and that's where and that's when she... Um, got the name Pink. Um, she uh, met her her now her current husband her now husband her only husband, Carrie um, Hart, who is known for mo- motocross. He's uh, known for the first guy to do a backflip on a motorcycle. So um, yeah, that's what I said. I said what? Um, so they've been married for 15 years. Uh, after they met, uh, they broke up in 2003, so they met in 2001, they split in 2003, and then in 2006, uh, Pink proposed while he was riding his motorcycle. <laughs> so will you marry me? Seriously. Um, I think Pink is really cool, by the way. I have not listened to, I, knowingly or consciously, did I, I, I did not listen to any of her music. Like, it's kind of not the style that I normally listen to. And then uh, when the song was recommended, I did, obviously, research, and I've listened to more Pink than I probably cared to listen to. But um, she's a cool person. Uh, not a Christian, but a, very, a really cool person. Uh, they had uh, two children together, and um, I think 2011 was, her first, was when her first child was born, and I think 2016 was when her second child was born. Willow is her daughter, her, their firstborn child. That is who the song is for. Uh, what, and I didn't know this until I, I dug a little deeper, but what inspired or what was the, the catalyst for Pink to write this song, All I Know So Far, which is really just um, advice. It, it's just a song full of advice for her daughter, is that she and her son got really sick with COVID. Her son was sick for, I think, about four weeks, I don't know how long she was sick with COVID for, but uh, she, um, you know, as she was recovering from, from COVID, and my guess is that it was after her son uh, began to recover, she thought, "What am I? What kind of legacy, or what am I leaving for my kids? Um, what, 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 what have I, what have I done for them? What, what am I leaving for, for them to, to, to live their lives?" You know, during COVID when she had COVID, she rewrote her will. She called her friend when it was really bad. Pink also has um asthma. Like like me, <laughs> I have asthma. And uh she said that it, it was you know in twenty years she had not she hadn't she didn't have to use a was it a nebulizer, is that what it's called? I'm, <laughs> I'm looking to Bonnie <laughs> she's a nurse. Um and uh and she said in 20 years she hadn't, didn't need to use that, but she had to when she was suffering from COVID. And as a result of, of that, she called her friend, and her best friend, and said, please tell Willow. I don't know why she didn't t- ask her husband, but I, I don't know the dynamics there. But she said, please tell Willow that um, just how much I love her. And that's what inspired her to write this song, All I Know So Far. Uh, You'll see in the video, uh, Hart actually her husband Hart appears in the video several times. I think at least three times, which um, I think I think is kind of uh, just to point out their 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 rocky relationship at the beginning. So they actually split up in I think 2008 for 11 months. Um, I think they, uh, but then they got back together and have been back together ever since. So that's that's Pink's story. Um, at the beginning of the video, she says this, This is my story, it's mine to tell About how I learned to break out of my cell There's only one way you can truly live free It lies in the power when I becomes me uh, we'll, we'll dive into that a little bit And explore how the psalms speak into that But some of the lyrics in the song You have lyrics that you should have received on your way in uh, Her advice... When, when it's right and when the, or when the world blows up is this, just throw your head back and spit in the wind, let the walls crack because it lets the light in, let them drag you through hell, they can't tell you to change who you are, and when the storm's out, you run in the rain, put your sword down, dive right into the pain, stay unfiltered and loud, you'll be proud of, the, of that skin full of scars. That's all I know so far. So. With that being said, I'm, we're going to play the music video. You, you know, you've been warned. <laughs> uh, this is the only video I really had to edit. Um, but uh, it's kind of my favorite. So if you can share, show it.
2: You want to hear a story?
0: Oh, Mom, I don't want to hear a fairy tale. I'm not five years old anymore.
2: Oh, come on. Maybe I have a different story you'll like. Once upon a time, there was a girl who was nine. Mom,
0: no rhymes!
2: She liked to be alone, thought she was all grown. Think you got attitude and sass? Doesn't hold a candle to this bad... She was fueled by her anger, and anger was her fuel. She hated her family and everyone at school. Sometimes she'd go crazy, psycho, unhinged. Usually when her mama went off on a binge. She had no direction. She was always so stressed. All she knew was that she didn't want to be like the rest. This is my story. It's mine to tell about how I learned to break out of my cell. There's only one way you can truly live free. It lies in the power of when I becomes we.
3: When they dress you up in lies and you're love naked with the truth You threw your head back and you spit You we'll have.
1: This video, actually, when it, did, it premiered in May, I forget the exact date, but when it premiered in May, within a week, it had 4 million views. Right now, it's got 14 million views and climbing. It's, got, it's received all kinds of critical acclaim. There's a reason for that. Like I said last week, there's a reason why these songs are popular. There's a reason why people are watching or are listening to these songs. Um... And uh, I believe the Bible, and I tried to demonstrate this last, last week, especially the Song Book of the Bible, which is the Psalms, speaks into the message of, of, the, of the most popular songs of our day today. Uh, Psalm 25 is a, a, is a good case in point for that. Um, now there's a, some wisdom, just like with all, the, all these videos that we'll show, there, there's an element of truth in, in the message of, of these songs. You know, I... You know, I tell my boys all the time, you know, you, you are not going to get through life without your scars. You're not going to get through life without being beat up a little bit. And um, you just need to keep pressing forward, uh, not, not hide, you know. And so there's some wisdom in, in her, her song. But uh, the focus of, of who it is that uh, is able to get us through that, the psalmist says, no, actually it's not... It's not this mold that you're creating for yourself. It's not your inner, your inner strength or warrior or whatever. It, it needs to be God, and that's that's a theme that runs all through the Psalms. You're gonna hear that all throughout this sermon series. That uh, we were made for God. We are made to know Him and to enjoy Him. And so there are four. Uh, there are really five. I have four points, but there are five. Uh, Points of wisdom that the psalmist gives to, to uh, all those who, who are reading the Psalms. The first is this that God is for his people and not against them. So if I had to give my sons uh, some, if I were on my deathbed and I wanted to give them some parting wisdom, these are some of the things that I would tell them God is for his people and he's not against them. Those are the first three verses. To you, O Lord, I lift up my soul. O my God, in you I trust. Let me not be put to shame. Let not my enemies exult over me. Indeed, none who wait for the Lord shall put to, shall be put to shame. They shall be ashamed who are wantonly treacherous. This word shame is used three at least three times. Uh, at, the, at the very beginning here, it's used three times. And um, don't think of... The type of shame that the psalmist is referring to is the kind of shame that you experience when you're embarrassed about something. That's not that's not the shame that's being being referred to. Like it's not the shame that the Webster's dictionary defines as a painful emotion excited by a conscientious by a conscientiousness of guilt, disgrace, or dishonor. That's not the shame that the psalmist is talking about here. The kind of shame that he's uh, talking about here is one of disappointment. I've cried out to the Lord, and he didn't show up. That's that's the kind of shame he is referring to here. Oh my God, in you I trust. And because I'm trusting in you, in this life and everything that's surrounding me, and we don't know all the circumstances that were surrounding David when he wrote Psalm 25, but all the stuff that's happening right now God, I trust in you. Let me not be put to shame. Let not my enemies exult over me. You are my champion. You are the one who, who, whom, to whom I belong. Um, the kind of shame that, re, that, that he's referring to, I think is the kind of shame that the Apostle Paul refers to in 1 Corinthians chapter 15, where he says this in verses 16 through 19. For if the dead are not raised, not even Christ has been raised. And if Christ has not been raised, your faith is futile and you are still in your sins. Then those also who have fallen asleep in Christ have perished. If in Christ we have hope in this life only, we are of all people most to be pitied. That's the kind of shame that the psalmist is referring to. Um, It's the kind of shame you would experience if you found out Jesus really didn't rise from the grave. Or uh, there was a book that we had to read, and I think it was in Bible college. Uh, tit- it was a really good book. It was titled "A Skeleton in God's Closet," and the whole book—the uh, premise of the book—is: What if they found the bones of Jesus? What would that do to the world if they legit- legitimately found the bones of Jesus? I think um, some people, maybe, maybe even you're sitting here, and you. Feel kind of like Bruce did in Bruce Almighty. How many of you have seen the movie Bruce, Bruce Almighty? Like when he describes God in this way God is just a mean kid with a magnifying glass, and I'm the ant. He could fix my life in five minutes if he wanted to, but, in, but, but he'd rather burn off my feelers and watch me squirm. <laughs> yeah, like some people have that view of God. Like that's, 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 that's who God is. And the psalm's like, no, that's not who God is. You can trust him. He is real. He's not like the idols who do not come when you call upon them. He is a God who call, who who listens. He he sees your pain. He knows what you're going through. And so David sings, "To you, O Lord, I lift up my soul. Oh my God, and you I trust. Let me not be put to shame. Let not my enemies exult over me. Indeed, none who wait for you shall be put to shame." James Montgomery Boyce, who I really uh, admire, he's with Jesus now. He he said this of these verses. He said, Those who have staked their all on God will not be abandoned by him in the end. This is the way David uses shame in the psalm. Um, you know, this phrase, spitting in the wind. I'm like, well, I never really. I mean, I've heard of other phrases similar to it, but spitting in the wind, what does that, what does that mean? Just to waste your time, to waste your energy, to do something that's, that's you know, not going to benefit or, or result in anything. To trust in God is not spitting in the wind. And for some of you, you might feel that way. You, may, you might be thinking to yourself, well, I've prayed all my life, that God, would, that God would open and soften the heart of you know, my wife or my, or my husband, or I've been praying for my kids you know, since they were born, and, and it seems like God's not listening to them, or I've been praying that God would heal me or heal somebody I love, and it seems like he's not listening to me. David says, you know, those who trust in the Lord, there will come a time where, where you will see that, that your trust was not misplaced. Which leads to the second thing, piece of wisdom that comes from these verses and that is God's ways are your pathway to thriving not your ways not my ways God's ways like I to 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 sh- tell my children okay just you know just buckle up or knuckle up or whatever and and, and just you know, find your inner strength and, and and look for positive energy around you and and just just do, you know, live your life. That's empty. Like, that, that's the one part about Pink Song. I'm like, that's kind of empty. Like, it, it doesn't seem like it leads anywhere. Because what happens when the world does blow up? What do you have? What, what next? Nothing. <laughs> For her, probably. Um, and so uh, she says in one of the lines in the song, No one's handing you the keys or a book with all the rules. Yes, yes, someone is. It's called the Bible. It's God's God's love letter to you, and it's His love letter to me. You want to know how to to live? You want to know the the pathway to thriving? It's through His Word. Um, The Bible says of itself that God's Word is living and active. It's sharper than any two-edged sword. It judges the thoughts and intentions of the heart. The very first psalm in the book of Psalms opens up with these words, and the words will be on the screen. Let's read these together. Ready? "'Blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the wicked, nor stands in the way of sinners, nor sits in the seat of scoffers, but his delight is in the law of the Lord, and on his law he meditates day and night. He is like a tree planted by streams of water that yields its fruit in its season.' and its leaf does not wither. In all that he does, he prospers. That's how the Psalms opens up. It's like he's just setting the stage. You want to know what the psalm book is about? It's about worshipping the Lord, and in worshipping him, listening to his word, listening to his laws, and applying it to your life, because that is the pathway to thriving. So, He says in verse 4, make me me to know your ways, O Lord. Teach me your paths. In verse 5, by following his paths, they lead to, David says, the God of my salvation. That's where they lead. That thriving leads, if I follow the paths of the Lord, which is his word, that it leads to him, and that is that is where thriving is experienced. That is where life is experienced. You've heard me say many, many times that we were made to know the God of all creation. Everything about us is made to know him and to enjoy him and to sing about him. You know, Where do the paths of the Lord lead? They lead to the God who is faithful, like, like this will preach. Like I could have eleven points on this sermon, on this passage, if I really wanted to. Like, he is the God who is faithful, verse three. He is the God of truth, verses four through five. He is the God who saves, verse six. He is the God of mercy and unfailing love, verse six. Verse six again. He is the the God who is good all the time, verse ten. He is the God who forgives sinners, verse 11. He is the God who is a friend to sinners, verse 14. He is the God whose grace is unmeasurable, verse 16. He is the God whose power is unmatched, verses 15 and verse 20. He is the God who is a refuge to all who seek Him, verse 20. He is the God who redeems and rescues, verse 22. That's the God who, that, that, that leads to thriving and to life. You know, on, on what... <laughs> On what will you stand when all that you have underneath of you is ashes? The ashes of your dreams, the ashes of maybe a, a marriage or a relationship or, or, or the death of somebody you know, that, that you were close to. On, on what will you stand? David says, I will stand on the Lord who is my rock. He is, he is my foundation. And, so, and, and by trusting in him, I will not be put to shame. The answer is in the beginning of the Psalms, of this Psalm, and towards the end. To you, O Lord, I lift up my soul. And then, verse 20, I take refuge in you. What does it mean to take refuge in God? <clears throat> it's, to, it's to find your safety in Him, it's to find your security in Him. Does that mean that life is going to get easy for you by doing that? No, read the Psalms. <laughs> Like I told you, I, I mean, David wrote most of the Psalms, but some of the Psalms are written by others, um, other people. And uh, as you read through the Psalms, it sounds like, I mean, David especially, it sounds like he's, he suffers from schizophrenia or, or, or some kind of, some form of personality, multiple personality disorder, right? Like one Psalm is like, I love you, Lord, uh, you rock, you're the best, you, know, you, 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 you look over me. And then the next chapter is like, where are you, Lord? Where have you gone? And, um, and I love the Psalms because they echo a lot of what my heart feels, right? Like I told you, uh, I don't know, I, was, I said this probably about three weeks ago or four weeks ago, like God can handle your, your complaints. The Bible calls them laments. And the Bible actually gives us gifts us. God has gifted us language for our lamenting. Did you know that? Like Jesus quoted one of the Psalms. He quoted several of the Psalms, actually, but he he quoted one of the Psalms. He quoted is, you know, My God, My God, why have you forsaken me? It's language of lament. And um, and and God has gifted that to us. And Psalm 25, you know, we can turn to Him, and we will not be put to shame, which leads to the third point of wisdom here. God's grace is greater than your failures. I m- mentioned last week like that Psalm 4 was written like after David sinned with Bathsheba, had her, her husband murdered. You know, like, he wrote Psalm chapter 4. And, um, and David had experienced how God's grace was greater than his failures on multiple occasions. In verse 8 it says, God, or good and upright is the Lord, therefore he instructs sinners in the way. He leads the humble in what is right and teaches the humble his ways. Like, here's, a, I love these verses because I, I, the gospel just oozes through, through these verses. He, he says that God is good and, and that he's upright. To be good and upright is to be merciful and just. I want you to think about that for a moment. So if God is perfectly merciful, like if his mercy is perfect in every, instant that he, every instance that he executes his mercy and his justice is perfect, how can those two be experienced, his mercy and his justice can be experienced at the same time when it comes to us sinners? Think about that for a moment. How can God, can God be perfectly just if and when he exercises his perfect mercy. What is mercy? Mercy is refraining to, in God's case, it's God refraining to give you what you deserve. What is justice? His obligation to give you what you deserve, right? We'll talk about justice in about three weeks in one of the Psalms. But, um, and so how is that reconciled? I was thinking about that. I think it's reconciled in just a few psalms earlier, in Psalm 23, where it says this, and we won't read the whole psalm. I'll just read uh, like four verses. In fact, let's read it together. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in paths of righteousness for his namesake. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I shall dwell in the house of the Lord forever. And you know, maybe you're thinking, well, how does, that, how does that reconcile God's mercy and his justice when he, when he forgives sinners like you and like me? Um, Jesus answers that question for us. In John chapter 10, I love, this is awesome. John chapter 10, verses 9 through 11, Jesus said this, I am the door. If anyone enters by me, he will be saved and will go in and out and find pasture. The thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. I came that they may have life and have it abundantly. What does he say here? I am the what? The good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for who? The sheep. That's how you experience God's grace, his, his mercy, and his justice at the same time. You, you know why God is able to exercise or execute his perfect mercy and his perfect justice at the same time on people like you and, and like me? Because of the cross. The cross of Jesus Christ. The Bible is all about Jesus from Genesis through Revelation. And, and the linchpin um, between God's mercy and his justice is the cross of Christ. And, uh, you know, Period. Like, Jesus is the good shepherd who restores my soul and leads me in paths of, what? Righteousness for his namesake. Jesus is the good shepherd who provides the goodness and mercy that follow sinners like me all the days of my life. Jesus. It's not a Sunday school answer. It is the answer to Psalm 25. It is how God is able to be merciful and just at the same time. Well, how so? Because... Uh, His justice was poured out upon Jesus, who, I say this every Sunday almost, lived the perfect life. He was perfectly innocent. He was a perfectly innocent human being, fully human, fully God. Jesus lived the life that we could never live, and he went to a cross to experience God's justice in your place and in my place. His wrath was poured out upon his son so that David could experience the mercy of God, and so that I could experience the mercy of God, and so that you can experience the mercy of God. God's grace is greater than your failures. That's what the cross screams, (laughs) the cross of Christ. How do I know that God will not give up on me? Well, he continues, because of his steadfast love and faithfulness. Do you know what that word, steadfast love, means? It's his covenantal love. It's his unfailing love. It's his agape love. It's a a love that's unconditional. It's um, through Jesus' scars, not my scars, through Jesus' scars that reminds me of his grace that's greater than all of my sins and failures, or as the old old hymn describes, This this is a great hymn. Marvelous grace of our loving Lord, grace that exceeds our sin and our guilt. Yonder on Calvary, mount outpoured, there where the blood of the Lamb was spilled. Grace, grace, God's grace, grace that will pardon and cleanse within. Grace, grace, God's grace, grace that is greater than, what? All our sin. All of our sin. I think Psalm 23 is the answer for how God's mercy and his justice is reconciled. And it's reconciled through the cross. Which leads me to the final point, and this is brief, that God is a friend and a refuge to the brokenhearted. Now, originally this was going to be two other points. And I thought, man, I've got I to gotta tie this up somehow. Um, but they do go together. That he is a friend and a refuge to the brokenhearted. He's a friend to the sinner. Like, like I said last week, the message of the Bible is that God pursues sinners. Not sinners pursue God. We run from God like a thief runs from a cop. God pursues us. That is the story from, the, from, from Genesis chapter 3 all the way through the Bible. And, um, and so he's a friend to sinners. He pursues us. And I said this last week. He loves us too much to leave us as we are. And once he pursues you and he has you, he will change you. When you place your faith and trust in Jesus Christ, something happens in in your heart and in your mind. You develop new appetites, appetites that please the Lord. That's what happens. And so God is a friend and a refuge to the brokenhearted. And so verse, verse 12, he says, uh, who is the man who fears the Lord? Him will he instruct in the way that he should choose. His soul shall abide in well-being, and his offspring shall inherit the land. The friendship of the Lord is for those who fear him, and he makes known to them his covenant. And, uh, and, and so the psalmist says, yeah, these are the people that God pursues. Once he pursues you and he finds you, um, he, he, he humbles you. Like the evidence of saving faith, the evidence that, you, that the gospel has taken root in your heart, is a hatred for your sin. Did you hear that? It doesn't mean you stop sinning. What it does mean is you begin to hate your sin. If you love your sin, you might not be a Christian. Because uh, the result of placing your faith and trust in Jesus Christ is that you receive a, a new appetites. The Bible calls it a heart circumcision. Uh, Ezekiel, I think it's 36, says that, um, that God will remove your heart of stone and give you a heart of flesh. And, and this is what the, psalm, the psalmist is talking about this, that God found him and changed him. Um, and, and we see the evidence of that all, all throughout this psalm. Something happened in David's life that resulted in him wanting God and hating his sin, like he he says in the Psalm, you know, please do not remember the sins of my past. You know, he, all throughout the Psalms, he's pleading for God's forgiveness. And, and notice in verse fifteen, and he's, he, we I won't read the verses, but he says his eyes are on the Lord instead of himself. What is the solution to the Psalmist's problem? God. Who, what is the remedy to his situation? God. That doesn't excuse us. That doesn't mean we can be lazy and not like, do anything. Um, what it means is that his eyes were on the Lord, not on himself. When he is lonely and afflicted, he seeks the grace of a good God. When he is overwhelmed with anxiety and trouble, he looks to the God who, know, who, who, who he knows is bigger than his troubles. When surrounded by those who seek to harm him, he trusts that God is able to deliver him. David casts himself upon the God he knows instead of his own wisdom. That is the difference between Psalm 25 and the song All I Know So Far. (laughs) Right? We we must cast ourselves upon the wisdom of God instead of our own wisdom. And uh, the point is that David's relationship with God is more than a religion. this This is not cliche, this is real that he had a relationship with the God of all creation. That is real. It's not just religion. It's a relationship. Religion is do's and don'ts. Religion is what can I do to earn enough points to make God happy enough to let me into his heaven. That's religion. A relationship with God is I can't do enough. He's done everything. He did it through the cross. And, um, and when I think of my children knowing that I'm not going to be around forever, what do I want them to, to, to hold on to? What do I want them to, 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 to you know, stew upon, you know, meditate upon, think upon, and, and, and treasure? Well, there are five things I already highlighted, I'll, I'll I'll mention them again. That God is for his people, and he's not against them. I would tell my sons, if I were dying, God is for you, not against you. He is for you, not against you. That God's ways lead to thriving, not death. He's not a killjoy, he's not looking for ways to wreck your joy, as the world would say. He said, my paths lead to joy. Third, God's grace is greater than our failures. You know, when you believe, when you fall into the lie or believe the lie that your failures are, are, are too great for God's grace to overcome, that's exactly what the devil wants you to believe. Because that will paralyze you and it will immobilize you, it will keep you from moving forward. God's grace is greater than our failures. The cross screams that. And um, that God is a friend of sinners. He loves us too much to leave us as we are, but he pursues us in our mess, right? And then fifth, God is a refuge to the brokenhearted. He's a refuge to the brokenhearted. You can go to him. You You can find healing in and through him. But the way to do that, friends, is not... He's not ignoring this. Like, don't expect your faith to go deeper if this book is closed throughout the week. <laughs> right? God, this is His love letter. Everything that God wants you to know of Himself is in this book. And, um, and you, were meant, you were meant to be able to read it and to study it and to, and to hear the voice of God through these pages. So, you know, <laughs> this was what, that's what I would tell my, son, my children. That's what I know so far. <laughs> Right. What I know so far is what Jesus said in John chapter 14, verse 6, and I'll end with these words. Jesus said, and we'll, let's read it together, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. Amen? Amen. If you're here and you don't know who Jesus is, if you're trying to figure out you know, this, this thing about what does it mean to follow Jesus, what does it mean to believe in Jesus, I'm, I hang out after the service. I would love to talk to you about that. But here's what the Bible does say, that if you confess with your mouth Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you don't have to have all your theological questions answered, but you do need to be settled on that. You will be saved. That your sins will be forgiven. That you will go from being separated from God, alienated from God, being a child of the devil, to being a child of God, being reconciled to God, being his son, being his daughter, never to be forsaken by him ever. That's the promise of the Bible. Let's pray. Father, thank you so much for this day. Thank you for your word. Thank you for how you're speaking into our lives. Thank you for Psalm 25. Thank you for the gospel. Thank you that that your word and our relationship with you leads to thriving, not death. And it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.
0: Thank you for listening to the Meadowbrook Church Podcast. For more information about our church, visit meadowbrook.org.